That's Hello. a good. You really did a good job with that intro thing, that montage. Well, I don't yeah. like the vocal fry on the woman who says "Had him gad." Yeah. But other than that, excellent well, job. Who is you that want? woman? Very. No, somebody hired. The vocal fry irks me. Like if you're listening to the Vox, Vox.com podcast, it was Joe Ezra Klein, and every single person on that podcast has a vocal fry. Three years ago, I had no idea what vocal fry was, I and was then it seemed like within a day, vocal fry was everywhere, and it absolutely is like nails on a blackboard uh, to me now that I me. know what it is. Well, and men is and it? women alike are guilty of it. What's do you guys want? Do you, yeah, you want to explain what vocal fry? I have no idea somebody what vocal doesn't. Fry. Uh, I can't do it. It's, it's like that little. It's like. Uh, 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 I think it's basically uh, your voice in a low idle, like when you're speaking, like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I was uh, how would I do it? <clears throat> it's associated like a little bit with valley speak. I think, like, uh, yeah. But but kind it's of. it's it's become it become a, 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 a indication that you're smart and thoughtful or something. Or oh, really? I thought it was the opposite, the imitation that you're an airhead. No, now like the smartest people do it, or the smartest like liberal people do it. I don't know. It, it irks me. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know what it was either. Yeah, and it's not gender specific. I mean, uh, men and women both vocal fry it up. And uh, I guess because I'm constantly thinking about sound, because if I'm wearing a lav mic, I don't think people on TV or at least news end up doing it because we're trying to project. But it is sort of a softer sound, and I associate it with a slower pace of speaking. But I, I, it escapes definition. I'm sure there's a perfectly good definition in Webster's Well, I, I imagine there's a Wikipedia page devoted to it. <laughs> 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 we'll see. Well, welcome to Live from America. So, so I, you know, and, and, you know, what interesting is it's an affectation. And affectations irk me. Like, I used to get in a lot of trouble because I would, I would make fun of Maya Angelou because she had that. How, how did she talk then? Uh, does my assassinus upset you? <laughs> and I just say, this woman. <laughs> that was pretty good. This, this is a black woman from South Carolina. Like, where did she come up talking like that? Like, I used to imagine her going back to, like, for Thanksgiving dinner. And, oh, and, her, okay. and her, her family turning and saying, what the fuck do you think you're doing talking that way? There are people like, like Johnny Depp. Appear, I think of people like Johnny Depp who have been so famous for so long, they have developed their own accent. I mean, it doesn't sound oh, like horrible. there's oh, something in there that I can't Madonna quite hear. For Madonna did that. She, she almost sounded with English. Yeah. 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 An English accent. But my Angela was the ultimate. The English accent is contagious. I mean, if you spend any time over there, you... You, it's absolutely. Too. I don't know if any language no. is contagious. I'm English here for 20 years and English, still have an accent. English accent is nice for a little bit, and then it just. Oh, I agree with you. After about nerves. a week there, you got to get the hell out of there. Oh, most of them aren't elegant. You know, there, there's different. Even kinds. the elegant ones are just annoying. At so the end. my aunt, is, my my father hated his sister in many, many ways. But my aunt had a vocal affectation. She spoke with a slightly British, you know. That. Oh, really? And my father used to <laughs> fucking go crazy. Uh, that was yeah, I grew up in the same fucking home as her. Where the fuck does she get that accent from? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Introduce everybody. Oh, that <laughs> I mean, it used to drive him nuts. He'd get red in the face when he heard her talk. Oh, really? Hilarious. Yeah. I wish I knew that. We would drive him crazy. I've met her. I've never heard that. Oh, the way she talked. Ugh. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's well, uh, comedian Modi, the very funny, is here back. Oh, wow. From uh, his tour all the time. Yeah, Comedian yeah. Dan Adaman, yeah, welcome yeah, to the show. Is. And our guest of, guest, honor, of guest of honor, Danny Savalas from NBC Legal Analyst. Welcome back. And if you guys watching, you're not going to see him. Uh, but if you're listening, you're going to 
Uh, You'll hear my dulcet tones. You're gonna sit, you're gonna, yeah, because he's on the contract that can be uh, shown. In so let's see. What so, would we ask an NBC legal analyst about? <laughs> in a, what's what going? is happening these days? <laughs> I got a ticket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, take us up to speed. Uh, you, are what's you up? Tell removal, us. not removal, per, per, your personal opinion, your I, legal opinion. Your... I knew I would be seeing you tonight, and I knew I had to be ready. There is no show that I prepare for like this show because it's long, and you know what? <laughs> you challenge everyone's view. And Thank uh, you. He's talking to me. No, no, it's true, <laughs> and I have to be on my game for this show. Well, that is high so praise. I've, just, I've distilled the issue, I think, down to... What I think is the core issue that there, all the hubbub has been about over the past several weeks. So you can cut through all the diplomats and all the congressional testimony, and you can almost go back to a, the four corners of a paper statement that was released that the president, well, I wouldn't exactly call it a transcript, but the president essentially adopted it as a statement. And within that statement was essentially a withholding of foreign aid and a request for assistance. That assistance was a request to combat corruption, but more specifically, to investigate uh, Hunter Biden and uh, an oil company in Ukraine. And that's what the issue ultimately is going to be. Is that a quid pro quo? Is that an improper? And as a criminal defense attorney, I've defended bribery cases that involve quid pro quo. It is an exceedingly difficult concept. But is the ultimate question with President Trump is, did he make a request uh, for an act that was improper or proper. But whether or not, it, here's the thing, it could be both. And if it is both, it, does the proper outweigh the improper or vice versa, does the improper outweigh the proper? Because unlike the Mueller investigation, which took two years, most of the facts were already established several weeks ago when the president essentially adopted a written statement that uh, the administration put out. And that's what this comes down to. For all the folks who've been trying to keep track of all the things that are going on, it's going to come down to a question for Congress, which is, did the president, uh, did the president improperly abuse his power when he asked for an investigation of his political opponent, an indirect investigation of his political opponent? Now, did I sum it up fairly? No. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay. Um, okay. He likes Trump. So, and how do you come when down he, on? When it? he said all the hubbub, that's not your uncle in in Egypt. Let's enjoy the silent after I, this show. I, okay, I, go ahead. So, so David, <laughs> how, how, wh where where do you what do you think? Here's the problem I have because I really try to look at both sides, and the administration's defense is eventually they're gonna they're gonna have to retreat. They've really only President Trump's words have only left really one avenue, and it's this. The administration's position has to be, in my mind, that the president has very broad power to, uh, to demand things of other countries. The mere existence of a quid pro quo is not uh, per se improper. And I, you know, I have to say, a lot of, when Mick Mulvaney gave a statement that everybody really got upset about, I think he poorly made the point, but the point he was trying to make was a good one. Uh, he just didn't do a good job of making it, which is foreign policy is about quid pro quos. It's about demands. Uh, you give us this, we'll give you that. Why have foreign policy otherwise? Isn't that what all foreign policy is about? Sure. Doing what's best for your country and possibly giving up something, but something that is of less value to you as a country than what you're getting in return. Or equal value. Or equal value. Where it goes awry is if the request is for something that personally benefits the politician. Now, just like the Mueller investigation, 
The closest analog that we have, and why you're hearing the word quid pro quo, is that it appears a lot in our federal criminal statutes. It's a Latin phrase that means this for that. But I, I think that's a poor description of the full extent. It's usually used in anti-corruption laws, which criminalize a government official demanding or accepting a thing of value in exchange for that official act. It's not just, I give Modi money and he gives me a, a burrito. Quid pro quo goes on all day, every day. It's how commerce is done. But the, the federal criminal uh, analog, and again, I've defended these cases. They're exceedingly difficult. But uh, it, it usually involves some official act uh, improperly done. And that's, again, I keep coming back to it. That's what this is going to come down to is, was the reason that he, to believe the president, you have to believe that when he asked in the entire world of corruption that could be going on in Ukraine, he focused on Hunter Biden, Burisma, the Bidens, whatever, because those narrow issues represented an existential threat, a particular threat to the United States. And I don't like to opine, but ultimately I think that's going to be a difficult sell. Not to Congress. The House may impeach. He won't get removed. I don't believe he'll get removed on this simply because the Senate, I don't think they have the two-thirds. But I think this is ultimately an impeachable offense. Would you remove him for that? Would I convict him and remove him? Well, it's so hard to say that because it, the analysis ultimately or practically isn't whether or not this was an abuse of power. It's whether or not the Senate, it's a prediction of whether or not the, you have the headcount in the Senate. If I were a senator and I was voting, I might be... I might be convinced because I don't think anyone could sell to me that even if the president does have the power to demand investigation of corruption. Let me say this. If he had said to Ukraine, investigate corruption generally, find out what happened in the 2016 election, I think that would be a much more proper uh, demand. It's when you narrow it into, oh, by the way, uh, there's corruption in your country. We've got a problem with it. Here's an example, and that example happens to be directly related to your political opponent. I think that's problematic. And then, you know, you have all this other stuff that's coming out, although I, I argue that you could have made the impeachment case back when that statement came out. Now you have this other stuff coming out about Rudy Giuliani acting outside the State Department and raising the million-dollar question over the last couple of weeks, which is, what the heck hat is Rudy Giuliani wearing? I hearken back to one of my favorite lines from the, the classic uh, office space where uh, John C. McGinley uh, says, what is it that you do? What is it that Rudy does? Is he a lawyer? Is he the president's lawyer? Is he the lawyer for these two indicted uh, defendants here in federal court in Manhattan? Is he a, an, a, a private member of the State Department? Wearing all those hats gets people into trouble, and it's going to get Rudy, I think, uh, more trouble than it was worth, whatever it was worth. Does your, does your answer on whether you'd remove him or not uh, change uh, depending on what the date is that you're making that decision, if it's three months before the election as opposed to three years before the election? Uh, no, I mean, politically, you have to consider the election. And, and I mean, you have to accept that at least some members of the House are thinking about impeachment for strategic purposes, to color a, an election. I don't think that's uh, unfor I think that's an unfortunate consequence uh, that this is happening close to an election. But uh, but I mean, ideally, and I guess because I think of impeachment as somewhat resembling a trial, I would like to not think about the election. 
Uh, if they are going to impeach, ideally they would do it sooner rather than later. So I'm talking about removal, the, the, the decision to remove. So the founders, when they – they almost didn't – they really debated over in, including the impeachment clause. And they argued specifically about what the standard would be. High crimes and misdemeanors was the last thing, obviously, that they settled on. But they went through several, several iterations. They went high and then they went low. They said, well, maybe it should just be felonies. And then they said, well, what about maladministration? What about just doing a horrible job? What about being really bad at your job? And they specifically rejected that. And they arrived at this super confusing high crimes and misdemeanors. So, uh, I mean, using that definition, and given that we've only had about 18 impeachments with which to use as precedent, and then again, impeachments don't really have precedent. I mean, technically speaking, that's something that only happens in the courts. Uh, is, it, is it a high crime and misdemeanor? And is it, does it reach the exacting standard that our founders wanted it to be because they didn't want an unpopular president to undo a national election. And I say this all the time. The president is the only national election that everyone, everyone in this room participates in. That's the only one. All your other elections are for local people. You may not share the same folks. Every one of us had an opportunity to participate in a national election. And the founders didn't want that undone just because a president was unpopular. And if I were a senator... That would factor into my decision-making because I'm mindful of the history behind impeachment. So you you, so, you yeah, disagree. Is, Trump, is uh, Dershowitz out of his mind then when he, <laughs> when he says that there has to be a crime? Because, you know, you know i, I got to tell you something. I've quoted Dershowitz about this, and I have his book, and I think he makes a really interesting argument. First of all, there's no clear answer. But Der, so, so let's step back a little bit. It's commonly agreed. There's a lot of debate about what, a be, what an impeachable offense is. Generally speaking, uh, not all impeachable offenses are crimes. And strangely as this may sound, not all crimes are necessarily impeachable offenses. The idea is crimes that are strictly personal, arguably what President Clinton did. He arguably committed perjury, although you could argue the other way too. But something arguably a bar fight might not involve the presidency, although it's hard to imagine a crime that wouldn't somehow involve the, your, your presidential power if you committed it while you're the president. So not all crimes are, are impeachable and not all impeachable offenses are crimes. Alan Dershowitz uh, offers the argument that uh, impeachable offenses must be crimes. And he does have, have some textual support in the Constitution. One of my favorite uh, clauses that he points to is the one that says uh, impeachment for something, and I'm paraphrasing, there is a line that says something to the effect that Impeachment is the only remedy against a president for crimes. And he points to that as support for the idea that it must be a crime. And then, of course, you have the textual support, which is high crimes and misdemeanors, and the idea that those must be crimes. But the argument against that is that you go back in time, and what we modern day think of as felonies and misdemeanors didn't really exist when the founders created that language. There was no federal criminal code. So instead, uh, they commonly understood high crimes to mean uh, breaches of the public trust, abuse of your official power, which is why but there historically— But there were common law crimes, not a federal code, but the, the definition of crimes. No, no, the, the idea of People a high crime— jail. No, no, the idea of a high crime was that it would be an abuse of the public trust. And when you think well, about Dershowitz it, let me give doesn't you my, agree with that. No, he does not. And I actually cite Dershowitz fairly often when I'm on air because he makes a solid—his argument— is not crazy. His argument is grounded I, I in the right. text. And I think he could be right. 
Uh, but can I, I can also think... Can I tell you think, why? I, think, can I, I, I don't mean to sure, interrupt you. Sure, sure. And I'll give you my textual response. Why I'm going to tell you why I think I'll make he's the other right. argument. And, I, and, I, and I, to my credit, I thought of this and, and actually wrote this probably in an email to you before I heard Dershowitz speaking about this, but I heard Dershowitz doing a podcast about it recently. That um, if it's not a crime, they always talk about abuse of power, abuse of power. And they were, you know, they were talking about impeaching uh, Trump for abuse of power because children were in cages and all this stuff. Right, right. And... There's this doctrine in constitutional law that says um, if you're going to uh, impinge on, a, on someone's constitutional right, in this case would be the right to have your vote count, it has to be done in the least intrusive way uh, in alignment with a compelling national interest. What's the actual language? Uh, you know I, I mean? think you're talking about the different levels of scrutiny. You have strict scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny, and a law must be, to, to, if it infringes upon a fundamental right, yeah, it must be necessary to achieve what's a com- what's called a compelling interest. But it has to be done in the, mo- in the most narrow, most narrowly tailored to narrowly tailored, to, and that's in the yeah. First Amendment context, right. I believe. Right. But it must be narrowly tailored right. to achieve a compelling government interest. Yeah, narrowly tailored. So right. So if we think that um, something the president is doing is an abuse of power, mm-hmm. but is not illegal, right? Then we can make it illegal. The narrowly tailored response would be, okay, we're not going to overturn an election because the president did something which is not illegal. Mm-hmm. We will just make it illegal. And then if he continues to do it, well, then goodbye to the president. But otherwise, you're opening it up to like, well, anything we say is an abuse of power. Well, if it's an abuse of power, why is it legal? Right. And why don't you make it illegal? Why are you, right. why are you removing the president and leaving it still legal? So it, it makes logical sense to me that if like, children in cages were impeachable. Wait, mm-hmm. first outlaw children in cages, and that, that should be enough to get him to stop. He didn't break the law. And then if he continues, then you impeach him. And I can't really break out of that. And somebody said, well, what if he started pardoning, uh, he, told, he started pardoning uh, murderers who were murdering his political opposition? I imagine you could make the argument that that's being part of that crime. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the, part the, pardon, of the, power, the yeah. pardon power is a great hypothetical example because the pardon power is one of the strongest powers, the most near-absolute powers the president has. And yet, if he used it in a corrupt way, it's yeah. a good illustration that he can pardon, in theory, and I don't want to give him any ideas, uh, <laughs> but he could tweet out, I pardon everyone. And the amazing thing about pardons, there are no take-backs. You cannot take back a pardon. Metaphysically, once you pardon someone, there is nothing left to take back. They are, there's no, you'd have to recreate a crime. So he could pardon everybody. That would arguably be lawful. What would not be lawful is pardoning a particular prisoner for a bag of cash. Then you get into an impeachable offense. The underlying pardon would be valid. It would still be a legal pardon. However, that would probably be an impeachable offense. It would fall within the bribery statute. Now, let me quickly give you a couple points in, in argument of uh, the high crimes and misdemeanors related, does not require a crime. Uh, so historically, uh, members of parliament, from where we get our law, could be removed on breaches, similar breaches of the public trust. But I don't think that should be controlling. Uh, the other two major pieces I point to are that precedent. We've impeached other presidents for abuse of power. Now, I don't know that precedent is compelling in impeachments. But they were illegal abuses of power. Nixon broke laws right and left. That's right, but we've had three judges impeached for abuse of power or abuse of contempt power. So abuse of power 
has been around for a while. Is the standard for judges high crimes and misdemeanors? Oh, yeah, the standard for all re removal of all officers. And virtually every single other person impeached has been a federal judge. Every single other one except the first attempted impeachment, which was of a senator, and that case was dismissed, and it leaves us not really sure if senators can even be impeached, because they probably can't be. But the, the bottom line is, far and away, the only people who are impeached are federal judges. Okay, so let me, but let me just say, I, first of all, I think that you probably agree with me. The question is unanswerable. If, if we could go back in time to 1789, the actual people involved in writing the Constitution probably would not agree on what actually this meant. It's not, it's not like they spoke with one voice. It, 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 was, it was mushy. That's right. That's the big, so the biggest complaint is with impeachment, we have a few lines. With the entire criminal justice system, we've had terabytes okay. but of, I, of information. But I want to say interpretation what's, since. What's, what, what, what's different, according to my analysis, between the impeachment of judges and the impeachment of presidents is that with the impeachment of a president, we are impinging directly on the most fundamental constitutional right there is, which is the right to vote. More than that. I agree with you. I'm going to do a, a comedy. Uh, Modi taught me this little comedy tidbit. It's uh, yes and, and yeah. you know, don't deny. I'm going to yes and you. Uh, not only that, the framers intended impeachment of a president to be different. It's right there in the text. First of all, procedurally, the chief justice presides. That's a very important distinction because he's independent of the Congress. Otherwise, right. another member of Congress presides. Uh, the other reason it's different, and it must be different, is that the president is the one human being in the entire country, in the entire f uh, government, legislative, judicial, executive, the one person that if you arrest him, if you remove him, you are, you are uh, arresting the entire executive branch. It's the idea of the unitary can, executive. Can he, that he's can he like be arrested the after? Yes, he can. He can. For he's immune during. Yes. The, the general consensus is that he can, which has a lot of people wondering if that could happen afterwards. But if you impeach a judge, it must be different because there's no judge, even a Supreme Court justice, that if you impeach and remove him, the other judges can't fill in. The, the president is the only non-fungible, that's the word, non-fungible person in the entire U.S. government. And so it must be different when you, and so I agree with you. For me to use judges as precedent isn't completely fair because judges are different. Judges are easy to remove compared to presidents, and his history bears that out. So two, two more questions. In your analogy to having tried bribery cases and stuff. Yes, and I hate them. Quos, how significant is it that they had this conversation in July where supposedly the quid pro quo deal was put on the table but the Ukrainians never did anything. That's, that, if I were the defense attorney, I'd say, listen, there was no deal here because, look, after three months, they still hadn't done anything. Because it wasn't anything. consummated, right? Well, right. Not, 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 not only not consummated, but it appears that we may think they made a deal, but the guy on the other end of the phone clearly didn't think there was a deal because it would have taken nothing for him to start some pro forma Maybe investigation. Maybe he did, but we didn't know about He'd, it. If, if he thought his military aid was at stake... He would have done something to, to investigate Burisma. Yes, except that the if we're using the criminal statutes as an analog, as something to guide us, uh, they very broadly defined uh, these, these, criminal, uh, these crimes as offering or demanding. That's what extortion is. You know, we commonly think of extortion as someone throwing a rock through a restaurant window, but extortion in the federal corruption, the public corruption context, is usually an official demanding something. 
They may not even get that something, but demanding it alone can bring you within any of a number and a number of different federal anti-corruption statutes. Like I said, they're really, really hard to defend. And so, I, I mean, I, so if it's really hard to defend all this, and we all know nothing is going to happen at the end, right? Right, because when I talk about corruption, I talk about federal criminal law. Yeah. And when it comes to impeachment, the framers designed it to look like a criminal trial. But it is nothing like a criminal trial. Exhibit A is the fact that in a criminal trial, your jury is designed, they, are, they must be impartial. Uh -huh. They must not have an opinion. The exact opposite is true in an impeachment. You have the most biased jurors, the members of the Senate. In fact, they were elected for their bias. They yeah. were elected for their views of the world. So you can That's get a true. head count before the trial even begins. So in why those why are we bothering with all this? Like why? That's a great question. Um, and, and there's a and, and you know I there's I a, and I don't say that lightly. There, that's a great <laughs> question. I'm so surprised that he asked a great question. I, I mean, because I'm so concerned. <laughs> don't try to take it away from <laughs> <I'm so concerned. laughs> There's there's a lot of scholarship on this issue. If you are a member of the House, because the House accuses, and do you need to believe that? you will get a conviction before you indict. You know, the federal, federal prosecutors, their U.S. Attorney's Manual requires them or tells them that they have to believe their case beyond a reasonable doubt before they go to a grand jury, which is just, mm -hmm. the burden is much lower. It's basically probable cause. It's more likely than not. But they need to believe in their case that they can prove it at trial beyond a reasonable doubt. Should we impose the same standard on members of the House when they accuse the president? Should their only purpose or only mission be a reasonable likelihood of conviction and removal? Or, you know, can they just think, ah, oh, we'll probably lose, but we think we should impeach? Yeah. It's an open question. It's an open question. Right. So Now, this is what, this was my take on it on day one, and I still feel this way. And it goes to the, I, I, told, I talked about this earlier, it goes to the notion of a high crime. The highest part about this to me seems to be not the crime of bribery, which didn't even happen anyway. It is the attempted um, assault on civil liberties of Hunter Biden, that the president of the United States should find a way, a workaround way, to have an American citizen investigated in a, without probable cause, without any rights, like a rendition kind of torture, that, to me, is quite serious, and that bothers me more than anything else. And like I said earlier, I have a friend who got caught up in the Mueller thing, and mm -hmm. they investigated him, and they cleared him. I said, well, what imagine, what, imagine if the next president come in and, comes in and says, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm satisfied with that, and then calls up a world leader. Hey, can you investigate this guy for me? I want to make sure. And now the guy's under investigation again, except he has no rights. Right. And the president, right. the chief law enforcement officer, and the guy who's in charge of everybody's rights— is the guy pulling the strings on this. And that sounds impeachable to me. Yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a solid argument that the president, by demanding another country do what the United States could not do in its own criminal justice system, is concerning. I wonder to what degree we ask, uh, we use third-party countries to do stuff for us in the past. Uh, uh, but Guantanamo Bay? 
Well, he's, he's, uh, no, no, but it's an American but, citizen. But he's in that. He, <clears throat> the work was in that country. It was in the yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. Just like that Guantanamo Bay, same thing. Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay. Bay, they were dragged there, so it's, it's not like no, no. But I'm saying we do stuff there that we cannot do here. That's why we're doing it there. Sure, yeah, but you sure. can't re, re, you you can't ask people in Guantanamo Bay to uh, to research what they did in in Afghanistan, but. He's calling like okay, he's but calling the the country of where the where the possible crime happened. Except that we have a procedure, I think, through the Justice Department, where we could where we could instigate a an investigation into this. Ask Ukrainians officially you know, to cooperate with the investigation. There's not, it's not like yeah. there's no way there is an above board procedure if we think an American has committed a crime right. like that. Yes, and so it keeps coming back to me, for me to one question. And it's, it's kind of a philosophical question, which is, there seem to be only four possibilities. One is that this was the request for Ukraine to investigate Biden was 100% an improper, self-interested purpose. Possibility two is that it was a completely proper purpose. For example, imagine that Biden represents, Biden is the Zodiac. He's the, the most dangerous threat to Ukraine and the United States and internationally. He is a chief concern for Interpol and international law enforcement. That's option two. <coughs> option three and four are either both or neither. What if they're both? What if, and this is just hypothetical, what if it's a completely proper purpose because the person that the president once investigated is some kind of corruption problem, a, an important problem for him to single him out. But what if it's also, at the same time, for an improper purpose? What do we do then? Because I think that's where this is leading. I think this is going to lead to the fact where the Republicans are going to say, well, okay, what if it was his opponent? We already know that he asked to investigate someone related to his, his political opponent, but it was for a good reason. If there's a proper person purpose then he's in the clear trump's all to you so that, that, that has, trumps has to everything. be otherwise that would be saying that he's not allowed to right right it would pursue be saying, a proper purpose we would be saying and i know we're getting very weird and hypothetical here it would be like saying imagine that ukraine is full of corruption it would be like saying that the president can ask ukraine to investigate all corruption except hunter biden except anything uh -huh. that hunter biden is related to and that doesn't work that doesn't work no. so i think if it comes down to that it's going to come down to what the president can reasonably articulate was a proper purpose for investigating Hunter Biden. And that's going to get really interesting. I, I have a question. Like, if we go like way back in the beginning, I want to know like, what's the difference like, legally be between like, a whistleblower and a like, traitor? And a traitor? Yeah. Oh, well, so... Okay, because you can get arrested. Right. Uh, no, you, that's a that, that's a really okay. So again, again, uh, again and then I want to go back question. to Hunter Biden because I'm something I don't understand about that. But go ahead. Yeah. Okay. It, the question is, it, publicly or morally, or at least in the media, it's interesting because one man's whistleblower is often another man's traitor. A good yeah. example is Edward Snowden, a very polarizing figure. Some people think he did a good thing. Some people think he did a bad He's thing. He's probably on Rogan did? now this week. Uh, I want to listen to it. Was he really? Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that. Okay. What did, what did he do with that, that kid? He basically, short version is he worked in the NSA, I believe. He worked in one of the, one of the intelligence agencies. And he essentially, uh, I mean, removed sensitive, a lot of sensitive information and just released it to the media. Mm. Essentially, the modern version of the Pentagon Papers. And so, to many, he's a traitor. To others, he's a hero. Uh, for many more, he's sort of in a gray area. I've heard him interviewed, and he actually 
gives a very good interview. He's really, really a compelling interview. He's had a lot of time to think about everything, so he's. But he is. He sounds very, very practiced. Very. Uh, he's a very good interview. I, I suggest when he's on Rogan, seek him out because uh, it's it's going to be really interesting. Uh, but generally speaking, a whistleblower. There are many. There there are federal statutes that encourage uh, people within the government to report wrongdoing or report waste or report report fraud mm. and it gives them protections for doing so uh, even those protections though don't make life very easy for, for whistleblowers so they often have a difficult decision to make so morally i guess in the public eye there's really a very fine line between what people perceive as a traitor and what people perceive what as about a legally legally a whistleblower is uh somebody and i'm, I'm going to speak very generally because there are a few different statutes but it's somebody who sees waste, fraud, abuse, criminal activity and within a, a federal agency, and they, are, they report it, and they're protected. In fact, there's some like statutes— Like they get the deal first and then report it? No, often they have to report it first. Oh, okay. So there, it, there's that moment where they're like, well, well they're what, not are, they, uh, yeah, yeah. are we protected? Yeah. Uh, there, are even, um, there are even statutes that allow for a whistle—I I don't want to call it a whistleblower, but a— um, uh, there, it's a Latin word, key tam, where uh, a federal employee sees that there's waste or even theft, they can actually get a cut of what's recovered by the government. It's a really interesting statute, and there are a lot of lawyers who make a lot of money in key tam actions. Yeah. So the government incentivizes through, or the legislature, the Congress incentivizes through law, uh, regular folks to be their eyes and ears and to report wrongdoing so they can investigate it and ideally protect them. But nothing can protect you from public scorn. So when people like Edward Snowden do what they do, Edward Snowden also didn't follow any procedures, as I understand it. I don't believe he, he just took this data and released this data. That's not a whistleblower. And he, he's free right now? There's no... No, no. He's, he's living in exile in Russia uh. as we speak. And he spent a lot of time... Uh, Modi, you may, you may know more than me, but I, I, he, I think he spent a lot of time stuck in the airport, you know, in, in different airports getting punted around to different countries because he was a man essentially without a home. He couldn't come back hmm. to the States. But now he lives in Russia, and some believe that he's living in Russia you know, high on the hog because Russia likes him there. Uh, he would tell you, I think, in, in interviews that I've heard, that that's the only place he can go. Interesting. I, yeah. can, we, can we just, for the fun of it, can we spin out the Joe Biden thing? Because it's, you know, I, and it's funny that I actually think, I, I actually think Trump has crossed the line as I said earlier, it's not plausible to me to believe that if Hunter Biden was not involved in Ukraine, that Trump would be trying to ferret out corruption. I'm just not buying it. I'm just not buying it. I agree with you. I agree with you. And That's I, what this comes down to. And yeah, I don't think so, so I think passes. there's a crime, and I think that um, I also think there's a civil liberties violation. I think that there really is, even though it might be a little esoteric and i think that he probably shouldn't be removed because we're just a few months away from an election i think get all the facts out and let people decide if they think this is disqualifying for an american president or not that's a relevant consideration yeah. i mean i think if if members of congress because it really isn't their hands uh if they take seriously what the founders believed that presidents shouldn't be just removed because they're not popular uh and that elections should should govern that impeachment's an extreme remedy and that it shouldn't just be used to overturn an election that's unpopular, 
then that should be a consideration. But, but it's so hard because we don't really have a guy. Wait, hold on. And I and I would feel stronger if the, if the deal had actually gone through. But here's my question. So let's just spin this out. So so Hunter Biden gets a job for I've heard various numbers, fifty thousand, seventy five thousand dollars a month. month. Yeah. Right. Now wow. this is what I think. You, you tell me where I'm wrong. He gets hired because the people hiring him think that they're going to have influence over his father. There's no other explanation. I can't imagine another plausible. Unless, I, I haven't heard that he's an, an expert in the world of doesn't speak Russian Ukrainian. Oil. Right. Doesn't right. know anything about energy. Yeah. He's been drummed out of the army. So mm-hmm. they hire him because they want access to his dad. Sure. When he takes the job, he's indicating, yes, you will have access to my dad. Now, his father knows that he gets hired. Does his father not know that his son has been hired because his son represented that he would have access to the dad? He has to know. Obviously, you don't watch So the father knows what's going on, and now the father is in charge of Ukraine policy. This is quite serious. To to uh, uh, our opinion of Joe Biden as well, I think. But there's no I think clips. this is actual there's corruption. Well, may, may, so maybe it, is, the, it is corruption on Joe Biden's part as well. Maybe now, maybe 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 the uh, hunter sold a bill of goods that he never had any intention of following through. He was going to pretend that they were going to have access to the father, but the father was never actually going to do anything uh, because of it. A big bluff. I'm going to grab the money, but not actually live up to my end of the bargain. But I don't see any way to not uh, admit that there was a bargain struck here. I'm going to sell you access to my father. My father played golf with you afterwards. So he's signing off on this, uh, an analogy. I'm just saying, like, like Biden knew this was going on, and he, he, and he let it happen. But this stuff always happens, like Cheney and—, uh, and um like, I don't have the great example of this, but like Ch- Cheney with 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 Hall- with um Halliburton. Yeah, no. No, no, yeah, they did. They were all kinds of deals and all kinds of people getting jobs and all. Yeah, that's just how it works. All the all the interns get their jobs that way Listen, and all that. Billy Bush, of- how did he get that job? At no, I'm that, just kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding. You, you might <laughs> give me other examples of corruption, and I and I agree it's corruption. But this is pretty profound that you're. The vice president, you're in charge of Ukraine policy. You know that your son's getting hired because they think they're going to have access to you. You know this, and you let it go on. The fuck? It's not, it wasn't a smart move on his. No, it's 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 so. fucking corrupt. I mean, I mean, I, in my meager, tiny life, have uh, issues of conflicts of interest that have come up to me many times, and I've avoided them like the plague and and i'm not anywhere and i could have gotten away with them i mean and i'm not nearly but the wasn't vice he president not, not planning to run for president back yeah. then he was the vice president yeah but he was planning not no, to it run it doesn't no, matter right. his point is if you're the vice president they're hiring your son because they think right. they're going to get your access to you it's a stronger yeah. argument it's a stronger argument yeah. because he's presently the second most powerful person in the united yeah. states yeah. at that time and by accepting the job, he's you indicating should. to them, yes, you will have access to my dad. And then they all play golf together. So now the dad is saying, we have a deal here. Right. Uh-huh. You know, it's interesting because the vice president often flies under the radar. And you, you have to wonder if Chelsea Clinton had gotten a job or if, you know, one of the Obama. I know the daughters are very young, but when they're 16, 17, what if they get some, some plum job somewhere? I think people might have been upset about something like that but it is uh it, it it does 
it, it creates a, uh, a feedback loop of you know everybody saying, well, what Trump did was wrong, and then people are also saying what Biden did was wrong. It so clearly it was wrong. keeps going back and forth. And the, but that, the but that, China has, thing, that has nothing to do with, with whether it's impeachable or no, not. No, no, it has nothing to do with it. But the China thing is not as bad because, yeah, they, they, they offered, gave him, was it, $1.8 billion to man? I hate when the Fox News say they gave him $1.8 billion. They allowed him to manage $1.8 billion, something like that. But there was no clear involvement of the vice president or his influence in that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they can try to suck up to Biden. But right. Biden was the man on Ukrainian policy and energy policy. Right. I mean, this is right. amazing. It, yeah. It's not right. It's not right. It's it's pretty bad. It's corrupt. Now, things not, are happening on all sides. Yeah. Can I ask sure. you to get back to the point you made about, or somebody made about impeachment taking away the people's right? I, to, I made to that vote. Point, Okay. Yeah. Um, he agreed with me, though. To what extent it was impeachment, if at all, seen by the founders as a way of protect, a, a way perhaps of, I don't want to say protecting the people from themselves, but the founders were a little bit suspicious of the people. You know, the, 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 the Bill of Rights says, uh, we don't care what the people think, even if they, we, we, we're going to have these rights to protect against the tyranny of the majority, right? I mean... That's right. Okay, yeah, I think so, that's fair to say. So sure. to what extent is impeachment perhaps a, a, a check against the tyranny of a, uh, of a population that's going to vote for a crazy person? <laughs> well, I think the framers, when they debated putting impeachment, when they debated impeachment. Remember, there was no electoral college. It was a popular vote for many years. I don't remember when the electoral college was put in, but it, at the time, it was a popular vote. And so the framers, and also remember at the what time, was, the only what, people what who voted, vote? the, the, presidents, the, the presidential election. Was a popular vote? Before the electoral college. Yeah, the electoral college was created later. Yeah. The electoral college is not originally in the Constitution? No. no. I didn't know that. No. no, no, the, no. And, and even then, the only the people who voted were, were wealthy landowners. I mean, most women did not vote yet. So the framers didn't fear so much. Are you the sure? People. Was there an amendment that I'm created the yes. Electoral College? Yeah. Uh, was it an amendment? I don't know. I actually don't remember. It would have to be if it wasn't in the Constitution well, originally. Yeah, but the states have the, have the primary job of collecting votes to begin with, and they're allowed to uh, create their own rules. 1961, Amendment 23rd. 23rd no, 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 no. That, that, that was not when the Electoral College was created. 100%. No. No, I don't know when it was well, created. I'll, anyway, I'll, the point is, the uh, point is, I don't think the framers feared quite as much the, uh, the, the people making a decision uh, because at the time, it was all men, and it was usually wealthy landowners. It was people with property. It was people, you know, that, that practically speaking voted. Cue but, the music. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I also... Uh, but I don't think I, I think they were very mindful of of creating the standard for impeachment, uh, and that's what I think they they struck a balance in the middle. They didn't make it, you, it at one time they argued should it just be treason, bribery, and just these enumerated crimes, or could it be something as simple as he's doing a horrible job? Mm. The other thing I would just point out in as further evidence uh, that it might be. Impeachable offenses might be non-crimes. It's interesting. The framers were obsessed with corruption. When you look at the impeachment clause, the impeachable offenses, there are two that are enumerated and then this hazy high crimes and misdemeanors. And the two that are enumerated are treason and bribery. 
treason and bribery are not what we normally consider our worst crimes. Mm -hmm. We think of murder. We think of rape as our right. worst crimes. And the framers didn't even consider putting those in there. Yeah. To them, the worst thing you could do was treason and bribery, and those are corruption crimes. Those are abuses of official power. The framers were really, really interested in corruption. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to have to correct you, I believe, on something, and I'm I'm what? very reluctant to correct well, the anybody. College? Yes, but I'm going to do this so it protect you from <laughs> the ridicule that you might get on well, MSNBC. No, it, 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 but I think this is right. Just so the Electoral College was created in Article Two, Section One of the U.S. Constitution. Uh -oh. This is what we're uh, remembering wrong. But at that time, the the uh, president and the vice president, the vice president was the guy who came in second. Ah, yes. And okay. that's what they changed. They, the vice president Thank would... Thank you. Yeah, Which website yeah. is that? Playboy. So that's how, like, the Jefferson and Burr thing... Oh. Je was, was Burr Jefferson's vice president or something? And huh. Wait, wait yeah. so the president was... Voted. Originally, the guy who came in second became vice president. Oh, okay. Huh. That is true. Yeah, yeah. that's and why that, you had... They changed that in 1804. That's right. That's why you had... Yeah, that's right. So the oh, president wow. was not elected by popular vote, even No, Washington. it was Electoral College from, from, from I, I mean, I just read from very, Jump very Street. quickly, so I could just be wrong as well. But if, it, if it's in section, whatever, if, if, Article but 2. But maybe it wasn't one. a winner-takes-all Electoral College system. No, I don't think they, I don't know. We, uh, I'm not an Electoral College uh, historian, unfortunately. I thought it was created later, but I guess yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, I, we I can think edit. that we can edit you're that. wrong. That's <laughs> okay. You don't have now, to. Now you've been. It. This is like I'm your fourth. Sometimes. This is your fourth hour of podcasts here, and I don't oh, think you've God. ever been wrong before. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes so, uh, I am. Sometimes so I, I am. I want to say you have a. You're still batting close to a thousand. Well, thank you, thank you. But uh, anyway, the the point is, is that the framers built in their... embrace being wrong. It's easier. Oh, I love it. <laughs> he, did, he did embrace it. Oh yeah, like a pro. I love it. So you're I'm saying, you, but your main point was that the impeachment was not a check against a, a majority that they distrusted. Right, but they also didn't want impeachment to overturn elections willy nilly. That was something they were very concerned about. So okay, so let's move on. First of all, I find it fascinating that you. Um, that you're such a measured opinion on this. I was I was pretty sure that you were going to uh, be guns blazing for impeachment. Impeachment. No, oh. because um, because over time, first of all, I don't think uh, I've seen the smoking gun, and I think that's what impeachment requires: is the smoking gun. I think it requires clear evidence of a high crime, whatever that is, and that's why. I, I think you see people like Nancy Pelosi's hesitance in proceeding with just abuse of power. Yes, it's an impeachable offense, but I think impeachable offenses have to be slam dunks because it's not enough that a crime is impe or a, an offense is impeachable. That's only going to get you to a trial. It's not going to get you to conviction and removal because the standard is two-thirds of the yeah. Senate. It's a very high standard. And so the mere fact that you have a trial and then you lose it, mm -hmm. well, then you may have a repeat of what happened with Clinton, who, who won his impeachment trial and some say increased his power. Yeah. He was perceived as a, a sympathetic figure during his impeachment because... Uh, it was really be nuts. It because was, was people really didn't agree with the reasons for him being impeached. So, I, I mean, I don't know that the measure should just be, is it an impeachable offense? Because an impeachable S offense is such a low bar if abuse of power counts, then we've sort of blurred the distinction between maladministration and abuse of power. So is anybody else can get in trouble, forget about impeachment, like uh, Giuliani or anybody else? Formally? See, I think Giuliani's got some real exposure. 
I do. And uh, I, I think you should be concerned only because uh, the things that the president is immunized from, he is not immunized from. The president is immunized, and he has the power to do a number of different things that Giuliani does not have the power to do. So if the government, if federal prosecutors were to decide that some crime has been committed, something we, we don't even know about, we already know that they take the view the president can't be indicted. But there's no the such thing for the, the ambassador in Ukraine, the U.S. ambassador in Ukraine today, and, uh, t- testified that, uh, what's his name, is uh, knew about it. He told him about it. That Giuliani did. Yeah. Knew about what the the demand to yeah. the Ukraine, uh, he and he disagreed with it. That Giuliani disagreed. No, with no, no. It. Oh, no. that he disagreed. Right. Oh, yeah. You're hearing a lot of folks who, who disagreed yeah. with with the way Rudy Giuliani was allegedly running this sort of operation yeah. in in Ukraine, and uh, I think that's going to be problematic because I think the general feel I get from all this testimony is that you have these career state officials who were really upset at what they perceived to be kind of a rogue person, mm-hmm. Giuliani, operating just without any, without any control. And so I think if he's being investigated, and news reports are that he is being investigated, anytime you have a federal investigation uh, of, of someone, they should be concerned. Although President Trump had the Mueller investigation, and he skated through that. But, uh, but I think if Rudy's being investigated, he's got reason to be concerned. I mean, the mere fact that these associates of his were just indicted. On the one hand, a lawyer who just has knowledge of bad activity is not committing mm-hmm. a crime. But if he participated in any way and helped them commit crime, that's going to be a real problem for him. I, I, I think I'd be really anxious if I was Rudy Giuliani. I really would. Has I, there ever been a, a huger fall from grace than the career of wow. the America's oh, mayor to this scoundrel? When you think about how he was America's mayor. And I, you know, I lived here. I'm sure you, I know you did too. I lived here during He was 9/11. our hero. Yeah. He was everyone's hero. I mean, it, there was nobody. I, I, I mean, uh, he, was, he was the only thing that sort of kept this city together. And so it just seems so strange. And by the way, it wasn't hype. He truly was magnificent. Right. Yeah. No, he, he was. truly was. He yeah, was. Yeah. He was. I, I was always surprised that, uh, that it didn't carry through to a presidential election. I remember thinking then, no, this guy's going to skate if he ever runs. Well, he tried. And he tried. And, and I, strangely Against enough. Trump, funny enough. Yeah, it's strangely enough. Um, but it is. W- what, a, what a difference 20 years makes. But I that's, mean, it really remarkable. shows you America. This is, but that's the way America is. Look at the, the reality shows. It's these huge celebrity stars that fall into nothing. I don't want to say like, uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner did I don't make a thing of that, but it's like these huge stars that's but that's just america that's just that's what it is the the it, that's the it's a reality mentality when he brought in giuliani it was just like the perfect thing for the show but i don't for think the, he brought him show. i think he joined him that's no, the strange part not now me. originally when they brought yeah. him in out of nowhere and he was babbling and it was just nuts it just fit well the, maybe there'll be an act three and he'll come back <laughs> i I, th- I think one of the nicest things that was said here today was no one said you know don't bother with the obviously it's not going to work, but it don't bother with the impeachment. Just there's going to be a vote, and let the country know if you want to impeach or not. It's like, the, but that's so not. It's a so, it's a tough argument to gainsay, as they say, uh, yeah. uh, because it is so close the election and nothing actually happened. It it, it does matter, I think. He's going to come stronger than before. that. They didn't actually hold up the aid. That it, it you know it has to matter. You know to, to so a, Dan, I think Dan, it does matter. Danny, from your point of view, like away from this, do you think he's going to win again? 
I'm curious to know your opinion. I actually think he's got a very strong chance of winning again. I mean, just take a step back. Here's somebody who rode down an escalator in 2015 or 2015, I think it was, and operated on a complete shoestring. I mean, I knew folks who went and volunteered and worked for him, people who had never been involved in politics before Mm. at all, people who were reality stars, and that were their qualifications before they started working for him. This was an under manned or underfunded or under popular, uh, however you put it, uh, a, a, a campaign with very few resources. Now he's an incumbent. He's the president of the United States. And, uh, and I, I think there's a very strong possibility he gets reelected. Uh, I think he's alienated a lot of people who voted for him the first time around, a lot. But I think he can still pick those, those yep. folks back up. I mean, everyone always talks about his base and his core and all that other stuff. But I think the, the Democrats have to be really careful who they run. I, I mean, look, I'm not a political strategist, but it just seems to me I know it's the primary and I know they can air. They have to appeal to their Democratic base. But I think they're running a lot of folks who are a little too far left. Mm-hmm. A uh, little. To appeal. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be fair here, but. I know that's the way you run a primary. You run far to the left, and then you get more centrist once the general election comes around. But I think they're really, uh, you know, I, they're running a lot of folks that are so far left, they can't get people who are ready to vote for, for anyone else but Trump. And I get the sense these people who said for the last two years, I would vote for anyone other than Trump. And then they see their options and they think, yeah. except that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I, I, yeah. I don't agree with a lot of those things. Uh, it's I'm, very disheartening because... I don't want Trump as president anymore. It's not disheartening. It's it's that it's that the Democrats didn't pick up on what is happening. They focused on just trying to take him down instead of focusing on finding a person that could run against him, and that's that's what happened. And they they didn't, and they they, they didn't. They don't have anybody to run against him. I, I regard Elizabeth Warren as a bigger threat. Like twenty years from now, the damage she might do, to me at least domestically is more scary than anything Trump intends. Now, it's true in foreign policy, and we're seeing this. He's such an idiot. Of all the months not to do this, we're seeing the real damage he can do in foreign policy, which was always, remember me saying, like, the real risk of Trump is in foreign policy. But um, domestically, I mean, I don't, want, I don't want her liberal Supreme Court picks who are going to agree that someone who says the wrong thing about the wrong race should be criminalized. You know, I, I, it's going to be a total assault on the First Amendment. I really, but, really, it really worries talking, me. Uh, yeah, she's not going to. New, New York is passing all these laws, I, I criminalizing you, certain things you can and can't say. But, Connecticut just had a thing where yeah. they someone put a camera outside the window and heard a kid saying the N word in some game they were playing about outrageous words, and they want to arrest him. I think they did arrest them. Yeah. Uh, is the Warren, the Elizabeth Warren Supreme Court, going to see it the way I see it? I don't think so. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, the, some of the hot button issues, for example, abortion always comes up. And I've often and, and taken guns, the view and guns. that abortion, for example, is something the president of all the branches has the least say in. It's Congress and maybe the Supreme Court if that case comes before them. But there are a lot, there's a lot of focus on social issues. And I think there's so many more pressing international issues, uh, national issues, um, uh, economy issues. And I just think that it's possible that some of the folks they're running on the Democratic side might just turn off these middle-of-the-road voters who would consider, who, who, who find Trump to be morally repulsive, but they may end up voting for him. Yep. I mean, well, I think who's the best this, option? This was the, the headline. This was the headline, National Review, on June 16th, 2015. Witless ape 
Yeah. Rides escalator. <laughs> Witless ape rides escalator. How things have changed. Go ahead. Uh, by the way, I think just as a as a thought experiment, we're just about out of time. I well, Jonah, think Jonah Goldberg was the and he's out from that too. That's changed. I think that if you're right, I think that if uh, a, if Roe versus Wade were to be overturned, it would have virtually zero impact on the United States of America. Here's here's a thought on that. So you overturn Roe v. Wade. It does not mean abortion is outlawed. It actually just means that there are less restrictions on the states. Good for the and comedy so, seller. What's that? <laughs> good, for the, good for the comedy seller. <laughs> <laughs> we get all the abortion tourists that want to have a good laugh, uh, you know, when they come to New York to get the abortion. Oh, you know, <laughs> you make a joke, but yeah. that's a really, you know, that's a real economic <laughs> argument that, in other words, if you're Alabama and you want to outlaw all abortion, you do so at your own financial risk because one of the wonderful things about America and the design of America is that the states are sort of laboratories to come up with laws. And if you don't like the legal framework in Alabama, you can pick up your covered wagon and you can drive next door to Mississippi Chris, or drive Chris, north Chris or Rock wherever have, you want. Chris Rock have his joke about this. He said uh, he goes uh, to an abortion clinic to pick up women because they know you fuck. They fuck her. You know? let, let me There's tell you what abortion is. Do you remember how all the Republicans were saying, we're going to repeal Obamacare? We're going to repeal Obamacare. And when he actually had the chance to do it, everybody found a reason not to do it. This is, they, they talk in a lot of these states. I'm not saying no state would outlaw it, but in most of these states that are, that are talking a good game about repealing abortion if they had the chance or outlawing abortion if they had a chance. I think when push came to shove, they would find that it's uh, not so popular to do so. But having said that, even the ones who did, obviously you can drive a few hours to any state. But then all, I also did some research about the rate of abortion in Ireland prior to the, them legalizing, because Ireland had, had abortion was illegal in Ireland until just recently, yeah. while all the rest of Europe had it legal. And apparently... They were getting abortions at the same rate as every other country, either with um, mostly, I think, with uh, pills that are available mail mm -hmm. order. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. you need clothes hanger abortions anymore. Right. You just right. go online and order the pill. It's no. more. It's more. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, so when you, when you drive around America and you see bumper stickers saying you can't be a Catholic and pro-abortion. Like these bumper stickers, like it's it's a it, it, wherever it's going to go, it's still a mind frame. I know people who absolutely hate. People in, in Georgia, a family, I, they absolutely hate Trump, but they are such Catholics that they have to vote for him. Sure. Yeah, they, I, there are they, people like they that. They loathe him. They can't listen to him, but they absolutely, they're running to vote for him because he is, and again, that's just wherever yeah, it goes, that, that's if, what they, I said if they have the chance. It's not that we love Trump. We hate them. We, the, the, like, like I'm, yeah. I'm not voting for Trump, but... Well, I might hate have, the Bernie, left. Bernie were the alternative. You, you yeah, if, if Bernie were the alternative, I might have to vote for him. It's not, it's like, I, I can't stand Trump. Everything about, I always hated Trump. I hated Trump 20 years ago. But, but the things that they want to impose on the country, the divisiveness, the, the intersectionality, the, the racial bean counting, the limiting of free speech, all of, all of what they stand for, as opposed to him who wants to like just make things easier for business and wants to control the border, uh, you know, if, if he would just shut up, it would be a no-brainer. Just shut up. But if he got off Twitter, <laughs> yeah. it, would be, but it, again, it would be a very strong, it would be his election. And again, I, I Shut up and build some bridges I, like you promised. Yeah, I don't like Trump either, you know, as much, but I think. But if Hillary had won, I don't think she would have done a better job than he did.
I don't know. I don't know. Nah, she to Israel. Would she? Have called she? Is any I'm not, never mind Israel. But I'm she just giving an example. Called it in. She would have just called it in just to say she was president. No, she's, she's got pretty the first. Good. She's pretty. I, I think uh, she's a very capable uh, woman. I, I don't think. know if she would have done okay, that. Okay, doesn't matter. We, we, it's uh, not neither here nor there. She's not president, and that's it. That's what we're at. I, I will tell you this. I don't know how you, you feel about it. I, I really, more than ever in my life, actually, really feel that there's tremendous hubris in politicians, that the real strength of America is to stay out of the people's way, let people use their ingenuity to create businesses, create innovation, live the way they want to live, be free, Pray whatever the fuck they want to do. They don't have to make a birthday cake or a wedding cake for a gay couple. Like, just live and let live. And the idea, they really, they become president and they really talk about, I created these jobs. Just to say such a thing. You didn't create a fucking job. You do nothing. You do nothing. And the proof of it is that we've had a madman as president for three <laughs> years. And, and if you didn't listen to the news, you'd go outside, you'd think things were better than ever. You'd think there was a genius running this country. You're Why? saying anybody can be president. I'm saying that if you just stay, he just stay out of everyday life, stay out of the economy, keep your fingers off the scale, and watch the country succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know that's a very like a right-wing thing to say, but I really believe it. I mean, what better proof is there than having Donald Trump as president and see how successful the country is? And I'm sure as a newscast member, you know, you want pr uh, Trump to be the president. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, these guys don't work as all they much have anymore. as... No, it's it's I, all they have. Actually, I'll Every tell you day, something. there's I, something. It's interesting. From, from There have been benefits in that we talk about constitutional things that in a pre-Trump era, legal analysts covered trials. We, we talked about, you know, how much force... Can the police use to make an arrest? Not it was anymore. a knowable thing. Yeah. Now you talk about things that I don't know an emoluments lawyer. There's no such thing <laughs> as an emoluments lawyer. We're all just winging it in a sense. I mean, whoever, if there's a new president, we're all going to be bored for a minute. But you know, I want to be bored. It's not news anymore. It, yeah. it, it's no, no, no. It, back in the day, it was news. Today, you sat down, ten o'clock. The president today met with da 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 da. Here's what happened here da 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 da. The presidents tell you, I'm on my way to meet with this guy. Yeah. Okay, so he, now that's the news. So now all that's left is his opinion of that meeting. Yeah. It's not news anymore. Yeah, sure. It's Very not true. news, so they shouldn't call themselves news. Right. It's just, no. And, I mean, and by the way, this on this concept, no. so like Elizabeth Warren and Barack Obama, they both alluded to this thing like, you didn't build that. You had the roads and the bridges and whatever it is. I've been to Moscow where people barely can eat, right? That's probably an exaggeration. We're Russia. They have roads. They have bridges. They have infrastructure. And that's not, that's not what did it. It is actually capitalism. It is entrepreneurship. It is the, the, um, the uh, free marketplace which creates this stuff. So I, just, I want everybody to Google something. I just So I was watching The Great Gatsby. The movie with Robert Redford? That one, right. Yeah. The one with Sam Waterston. Yeah, very, yeah. yeah. And there was a scene, I guess it happens in the 20s, and they're having this big party in Gatsby's backyard in Long Island, and they're carrying out these big trays of shellfish filled with ice. I said to myself, how the fuck did they get ice in the 20s? Do you know how they got ice in the 20s? They, they got uh, it from up north. I believe they shipped it. Yeah, it was shipped. There was an ice trade. Some fucking guy's name, yeah. uh, I, uh, I can't remember his name, it come to me. But anyway, this dude had an idea that he can go harvest ice, huge blocks of ice, 
and he could sell this to the entire world. Brilliant. He, he was shipping ice to the Bahamas, to India, all over the world. They had ice in the 1920s. You believe it? With no refrigeration. This is capitalism. Yeah. Like, who would have... And, and he made money. And, and then it cost this amount of money to make the ice. There's a great Wikipedia article about it. it cost this, and then over time, he brought the cost down by 75% through ingenuity. And they were shipping ice to the entire they got it tropical like in, world. In Canada or whatever? Yeah, yeah, in the north. I, I can't remember all the details. Well, the, the fridges used to be an, it was an, it was an ice, ice box. box. Yeah. But they put a piece of ice yeah, in and it kept the But just the temerity to dream. I have an idea. It's I'm genius. Gonna, I, yeah, and I, in 1920. So this is uh, the, the awesome potential and power of capitalism that these dumb millennials don't understand because <laughs> because they're walking around. It's true because they're walking around with a $100 supercomputer in their pocket. And they have no idea where it came from. No fucking idea. It's very sad. Anyway. Very and that's why Elizabeth Warren scares me. Because I don't think she has any idea. I, I've always said on this podcast that the winner of this election, if it was going to go against Trump, it cannot have a uh, senator, congressman, governor in the front of the title. It uh, can't. No, how about, how about, We've how about broken mayor? that. You know, mayor, I wish that, Bloomberg would run. It, yeah. Bloomberg would, it's a, would that's run. That's a mayor by, uh, by default. He's a billionaire, self-made billionaire first. No, but a mayor, listen, yeah. a senator. I'm just we, saying, you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah but let me, let me add to it. Senators do nothing. Nothing. They vote yes, they vote no. Ted Kennedy did the job drunk for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knew the difference. Right. We have <laughs> short memories. We we forget that when President Trump was running, how excited people were that a businessman was running. And right. that was his big sell. Like, I'll run this company like, like my businesses. But <laughs> we didn't really know yet no, that they his didn't businesses know. were a for little a goofier. For than the middle <laughs> of America, in their mind, that's what a millionaire looked like. Private planes, the red tie, a big coat. A real billionaire looks like looks like him. No. Looks like yes. Look like they all. They look felt like it's an insult. Never, let, 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 <laughs> some of them, like Bill Gates. They're, some they're of all them do. thin Don't. and vegany, and they got their watch. Oh, it was an insult. <laughs> their watch that tells them what their heart rate is, and their their main concerns like just staying alive. I'm eating vegan superfoods. This billion. I'm eating a cheeseburger on my plane. It's, it's, it's what America thought a millionaire was, and they thought we're gonna be millionaires too. You know, it was uh. like it was that. He hit it. He nailed it. Yeah. He nailed you it. You love him. Don't it's, love him. I love the fact that he, he nailed it. He uh, nailed does it. Does anybody have any thoughts? And he hasn't stopped, he hasn't stopped Kurds, campaigning sure. since he got in. We've got to wrap it up. Go ahead. Does Dan. anybody have any thoughts on the Kurds? Because I had. Um, oh, we didn't do Syria. I'm kind all, of. Did uh, we, huh? Yeah, kind good. Uninformed about that topic, other than everybody. Little Miss Muffet sat in a tuffet eating her curds and whey. That no, could, those the curds in the Middle East. Oh, the curds in the Middle East. And whether uh, we abandon our allies. We uh, did abandon to the them. wolves. It's, it's disgusting. H however, we've abandoned. I mean, he is not the first allies. president to do that. Every single president did that. This is ridiculous. Obama did that. He Reagan did that. Every single fucking, person. No, no. He is a except fucking, Bush. He is a fucking idiot. Yeah, he Ugh. shouldn't. But I mean, like, what I'm trying to say is not something new. It's part of the public. After the Iraqi war, the Kurds were like very important to us in the Iraqi war, and they just left them to be slaughtered. You know. Well, what is what is the ultimate solution? Not the final solution, but the ultimate <laughs> solution for for the Kurds. They need their own state, I guess. I mean, is that what well, people we should be uh, pushing for? Or? I don't know. I, I, that that I don't know enough uh, about. No. But the well, idea should, they pulling should, out precipitously the, is crazy. The only uh, the, uh, the only problem is again I have a problem with Turkey. 
and that's our ally. We should throw Turkey out of NATO. We should. Sure. 100%. What, what the hell are we doing? But I, I, I'm sure there's smart reasons that we don't want to do that, but it just really How about seems his letter to the Turkish president? Oh, the best letter. letter. <laughs> the greatest letter of don't all Don't be a tough guy. I just picture... <laughs> call you later. I just picture the stenographer or the note taker or oh. whoever he was dictating that letter to. That's who I think about. Like, was that person just like, I, I can't believe I'm. I can't believe I'm taking this down. I can't believe the I'm one who's mail writing this it down. Can I yeah. tell you? So, yeah. so as so I was reading, see Carol Burnett, Mr. Ted the Ball. Do you, do you know, she do you know about the letter? The letter? Then? As, as I was Fine, reading man. that, le- as that letter came out, I, th- at the same time I was reading Stephen <laughs> Stephen Pinker's book about writing, about like like good writing, which is a really great book. And the truth is, there was something about that letter that Trump was hitting, which actually Stephen Pinker was advocating. It was like it was very direct. He he did he eschewed any kind of fancy language or whatever it was. The guy who read it knew exactly what he was trying to communicate, and he communicated exactly what he wanted to say. But so it, I, I, it's so bizarre, but like in a way, I I think maybe we give give him we're, we're not properly appreciating. Oh, no. The letter. Is there any chance that this has a happy ending and that, that uh, for the Kurds? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'll call uh, you later was funny. Uh, no, there's no happy ending here. No, the there, is, there is no. They, they want the, this area to be like that. Because if the Kurds settle, that means Iran and Iraq and that area will settle. They don't want that. It's never going to happen. All right. Listen, Danny's, Danny's a new dad. Oh, congratulations. And he's got to uh, go home, I'm sure. 11 months old. Wow. wow. 11 Boy months girl. old. Girl. Girl. girl, I'm gonna be bringing her by here one of these days yes, to meet all you folks. A, yeah, please sit in the back and say hi. Uh, at, at about, I mean, it, it's not exactly the same age, everybody, but like it's just starting out. And by like 14, 15 months, it's a whole new ball game. Like yeah. it, they're like little people, right. and they begin talking. It's the best. It's the best time. My, my son is two and a half now. I mean, it's just, it's just the best. How's time. his vocabulary? I know you. Uh, I know that. Uh, does he uh, say I'll call you uh, later? Man, man, <laughs> Manny had a huge vocabulary, even at my, two. My, my son is pretty good. Nobody touches Manny. Manny was off the charts, but but I think my son is top 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 fifteen percent. Is he passed yet? At the comedy seller? Yeah, the <laughs> no, seller? No, no, he's not. Okay, that's the that's the big question. But you know, I have I have this son who's very. It seems to be very bright, but it's really true that it comes with all sorts of baggage. He's the most temperamental. He's mm. the most difficult. He's the most like. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. My daughter is less. My daughter's bright, but she's less so. And she's just like social butterfly, just so chill and easygoing and socially smart. I don't know. I hope yeah. I'm hoping that the youngest is in between. Yeah. Well, my son's probably like you were, Dan. But well, yeah, it could be. I mean, that that rings true when you said that, you know. But um, but my sister is is probably just uh, IQ point for IQ point as as smart as me or smarter. And she was very emotionally kind of centered and steady. Um, What's so. their signs? Oh, Modi. <laughs> uh-huh. I figured that'd be a great way to end this tonight. <laughs> Modi, you want to share your information? Modi underscore live dot com. All the shows are listed on there. And my calendar is being updated tonight on ModiLive.com. Okay, I want to tell you something. Get re- you can you, yeah, can, get a you can have a refer domain. You can have modilive.com go to another. What, what do you want me to do? What, 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 what's what, what's what I'm in your head? What, Modi what? Live sounds very dated. Right. Okay. So Just what would you get so a what different would you one? Say? Comedianmodi.com. What? Modi on, Modi Com- online. Uh, comedian, comedian Modi. That sounds modern. really comedian yeah. Modi from Modi Live. Yeah. Really? You should. You can get a couple and just have them all go to the same address. 
but he's right. Live is kind of like. I also have another. I'm thinking problem. of some domains, but everyone has a has Maybe. a has a, 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 a sexual problem. Slur. Modi Atari. <laughs> Modi's the, Modi, Modi not the president of fucking India. How's that? <laughs> you know, you, Do you think I don't have problems okay. on my Instagram stuff with all that stuff? I, t- yeah. I, t- okay. I tell you, uh, you remember uh, just just quickly uh, the astronaut that we had here. Yes. So his name the is best. Terry Vertz. Uh, when you go, when you go to Twitter, there's another Terry verse, yes. and his line is like, "I'm not the astronaut." Not the astronaut. Look for right. the other Hilarious. guy. You know, so I, I'm sure that's what happened to you, Danny. Marty you... the straight guy. I mean, go ahead, go ahead. Oh shit, Danny. Ahead. Danny, you want to share information? Danny Savalas, yeah, check me out if you're up at 5 a.m. I'm on almost every single day on MSNBC go on to, the 5 a.m. show. Go to oh, what Dan- show? But way too early. What, what it's it called? Uh, Morning Joe First Look with Eamon uh, Mohideen and Yasmin Vasugian. And uh, I'll record it's, it. It's the hour before morning joke. His, his website is uh, uh, Danny No Relation Savalas dot com. I'm at Savalas underscore live. Oh, I'm kidding. No, I'm not. I'm at I'm at Savalas uh, uh, Law uh, at Savalas Law. But check me out on MSNBC and 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 NBC News. Do you still do Joe's show? Joe. Do, do 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 you do Joe and Mika? Oh, I do Joe and Mika's show from time to time. Yeah, yeah, maybe uh, uh, every other week or I so. Still, depends. I still love that show. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, at Dan Natterman uh, for all your Twitter needs. <laughs> <laughs> Some micro micro blogging <laughs> site, twitter.com. I have a, uh, an account on there. Uh, that's hilarious. And live from America podcast.com. Do, do you tweet yes, at them? I you, do. You tweet? Of course I do. Oh, I got to follow you on Twitter. I'm funny. Okay, good night, everybody. Right, thank you. You were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production.